Welcome to the Random Ask Podcast. If you couldn't tell by the name, this is a podcast where we bring on random guests, we ask them random questions, we try and learn a little bit. We have local people that know what they're doing and are masters in their fields, and we try and just have a little fun while we're trying to get a little educated. I'm Taj Sander, a local realtor with Royal LePage Westman Realty. I meet a lot of cool people in real estate. I sell good houses, I buy good houses, let's get into it. Today on the podcast, we've got Cecile Tucker, who's a certified counselor here in Kamloops, BC, and we're going to talk through a lot of my personal issues and just air out my dirty laundry. <laughs> Cecile Tucker, thank you for joining me today. Um, let's get right into this. My family's going to be really happy that you're here because they, uh, they've always recommended that I get some help. So, like, do you want to start talking about my mother or... <laughs> Father issues with you, I think. Father, Let's go with those. father yeah. issues. Oh man, you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> most of my, um, most of my uh, experience with therapy and things like that comes from watching The Sopranos. So, okay, so, so I haven't that, seen The Sopranos, but I'm just gonna guess that it's wrong. Like uh, that's my guess. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. See, I don't know what's right and what's wrong. But okay, so this will be great. So I'll get a different kind of perspective For on sure. it, yeah. and I, I might learn something today, and uh, so might the listeners. So. Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Who are you and are you from Kamloops? No, not originally. Okay. So I moved around a little bit growing up, but I moved here in whenever it was, a few years ago now, uh, for yeah. university for my undergrad. Nice. And then I liked Kamloops, so I kind of stuck around and haven't found a reason to leave yet because it's a wonderful place. So I'm still and here. So you did your undergrad at TRU? Yeah. Nice. And where are you originally from? Um, Penticton before that, but I've also like lived in Hundred Mile, I've lived in White Rock, so kind of moved around like a fair bit. So okay, so this is great. So you got the full taste of BC. Yeah. And you realized the Camloops is the best. The best. You so, can't get better than this, so just stop trying. That's what I tell people. And people are like, well, and they have their hesitations and you know, and I'm like, trust me. Just we trust can me. Kindly tell them it's the best. Yeah. Here. Exactly. And that's first hand experience. It's not from like an HBO series. <laughs> 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 So I feel like there's some credit there, right? Um, and so what do you do and how did you get into it? Right. So I'm a registered clinical counselor. So yeah. think of like therapy, talk therapy, a shrink, any of those terms, probably you're thinking about me. Yeah. So I meet with people. I only do individual work. So I work one-on-one -on -one with people. I don't do couples or families. Okay. Meet one-on-one -on -one with people and we help them with different mental health issues so yeah. uh you know the kind of standard ones would be like depression stress anxiety but i do a lot of trauma work as well or generally people who are just kind of like dissatisfied or not like totally thrilled with their life but can't like figure out why they go to therapy and that's what we do we help them figure out what's going on so okay awesome can you clear up one thing for me though mm -hmm. is like so some of these terms are interchangeable and some of them are for different things but like what is what are the, what's the same and what's different about like a, a therapist, counselor, psychologist, or what's the other psychiatrist. one? Psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. Yeah, okay. almost forgot. <laughs> so we'll start like kind of at the top. So a psychiatrist is a medical doctor who's gone on and done more training in like medications for mental health issues. Yeah. So if you want like a medication to help you and your family doctor doesn't feel like they have the expertise to diagnose you or give you the right medication, you'll go to a psychiatrist. And so while they sometimes do talk therapy, mainly what they do is they prescribe meds. So, so they just dose you. Yeah. 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 Okay. For the most part, that's kind of their role is like figuring out kind of what's going on in your brain and what medications are going to be like the right fit to help you manage that from a biological level. Okay. 
Then a psychologist is, so this gets a little tricky because BC is different than Alberta, is different than yeah. places in the States. But in BC, a psychologist is someone who has their PhD in talk therapy, essentially, and in different modalities of therapy. A counselor or a therapist, those two words are interchangeable, that's someone who has their master's degree in talk therapy. So okay. it's kind of different levels. PhDs often have like more of a, um, not always, but often do like a lot of research as well. So they're like, um, sorry, PhDs, by that I mean a psychologist, yeah. has a lot of background in kind of the research and doing research in understanding mental health or managing mental health. Whereas a counselor, my degree was like purely a counseling degree. So I'm trained just in the counseling, not in kind of the research, those type of, those side of things. Okay. Yeah. So you have your master's. I do. Yeah. Right. Did you do your master's at TRU? No. Oh. So TRU right now doesn't have a program. They did for a while, but they don't anymore. Okay. I did mine um, online, actually, through Yorkville University, where you do the kind of school part online, but then you do like in class, um, sorry, in person things in a local placement or a local practicum. Okay. Yeah. Decent. And then what are your academic goals? Are you done academically or do you think you're going to so go done back? Academically. You're done academically. That's it? Uh, yeah. Cause I love my job so much. Like I'm obsessed with my job and education wise would actually only take me further away from sitting one-on-one -on -one with people. Yeah. Because then you're going to be doing research and contributing to articles and. Which is fantastic. I just, that's not my realm. Like, it's not I don't really, like that. It, it, I don't think that would be fulfilling. Not for me, because I really like that one-on-one -on -one interaction and, like, helping people. I plan to do lots more in terms of, like, training of, like, not things like you would think of in terms of, like, a master's or anything, but there's lots of kind of, like, counseling training, different types of therapy that you yeah. can get, like, um, a credential in, but that's kind of more, you know, you go away for a week and do a course like that or something, yeah. not, like, a long-term, um, more typical schooling, if you know what I mean by that. Yeah. So it's kind of just specializations yeah. in, in different aspects of the therapy that yeah. you do. Yeah, or Just more to modalities. make you a better therapist. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Absolutely. That works. That works. Um, that's not too bad. Um, okay, so we got those guys figured out. And then what is the difference between those guys and then like the uh, – the astrological life coaches that I see on <laughs> that I see on Instagram, which I love. Don't get me wrong, I I low key love astrology and all that kind of stuff. But like the chick that's like out there telling me I need to smudge sage and get jade crystals because that will right all the wrongs in my life. <laughs> right. So those folks, um, you can just like you or I could at any point, someone without any formal education could just say that they're a coach like that. And so when you're going and finding a coach, be really careful because there might not be credentials attached to yeah. that title. If you are in BC, our licensing body is the BC Association of Clinical Counselors, and you'd be a registered clinical counselor. So that's like some level of like, hey, you fit into this body, you have a certain amount of education. If someone's just like a coach, their education is, it, they might, there is training as coaches, but you don't have to take one to be a coach. So some people are well-trained as a coach and some people are just like, hey, this worked for me and I'm going to share what worked for me, but there might not be research or kind of education behind that. So, okay, yeah. So with your type of therapy, mm -hmm. can you help me get my chakras in line? No. Um, <laughs> any, any I don't Kundalini even know experience? what the chakras are. <laughs> I think they're like colors, uh, but I'm not too, like, no, what we do is like really, um, research base yeah right like it's yeah so i don't know chakras and unfortunately uh not oh, gonna man. be able to help you with that one well see i'm actually a life coach and i, and I just i just started this um <laughs> not long ago uh maybe about 30 seconds ago <laughs> okay, okay, okay. 
<laughs> but I have tons of experience, so I could actually help you. And you know, we could we could learn some things. <laughs> Love it. I am busy that day. I won't be able to attend our appointment. But uh, oh, thank man. you for offering. Uh, my schedule is wide open. <laughs> <laughs> Still busy. So sorry. Uh, yikes. Yeah. Um, yikes. Yeah. yeah. It's funny how it works it, when you start seeing on on so much social media that people start giving advice and things and it it's weird because i'll look at it like kind of and i kind of revert everything back to this is i look at it like uh stocks or finance which is going to seem weird because okay. i studied finance and i look and i see people giving stock tips saying okay yeah you should do this or go buy tesla and all that kind of stuff right but they don't know what your portfolio is like mm -hmm. and by that i mean what your personality is like right so they don't know what kind of risk aversion you're going to use or you're comfortable with or what your plans are for your investment if you want like what kind of investments you want back whether you want like a monthly dividend or you want to have a big payout 10 years down the road right totally. and i i feel like all types of counseling and therapy are kind of like that because it has to be tailored to who you are as a person and no matter what you do just searching it on YouTube or Instagram probably isn't the way <laughs> way to figure it out, right? I think from, you know, my my understanding, coaches sometimes can be helpful with like more minor things that are going on. Yeah. But counselors were really trained in like the biology of what's going on and the theory behind why you're depressed. So yeah. something like, you know, just go for a walk. Absolutely, that might help. But why? If you're saying go for a walk, what's going on? A counselor, we could tell you it's because of what it's releasing in the brain and how that's impacting them and how that then influences different parts of their life. But if you just say go for a walk, it's kind of like like you're saying, you know, go buy Tesla stocks. Yeah. Well, what's the bigger picture here? What's the plan, right? And so coaching might have a role if you're maybe honestly not struggling too much. Like if yeah. you're in an okay place and just need that little leg up, but if it's something more serious where you need someone who really understands the background and the like the neurobiology of what is going on as well as like the theory of counseling and the theory of change, the theories of personality, that's when you're going to want to go see someone who maybe has like a little bit more education and a bit more understanding yeah. and can then choose like there's so many different theories of counseling and different approaches and we can tailor it to the person, right? Rather than being like, this is my one approach. It's more, I have a ton of approaches. What do you need? What's your fit? What's going to work for you and your issues? Yeah. So we can get like a little bit more specific, I think, right? So with you, yeah. you're not just like a one trick pony. You have a few different approaches. Absolutely. So what kind of approaches do you use? So the kind of main one that most people will have heard of is CBT, which stands for cognitive behavioral therapy. That's yeah. looking at how your thoughts and how your behaviors are impacting your mood. That's I think like most counselors have that because that's when that's one that's so well known and so commonly requested and asked for. I also do EMDR, which stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which is a trauma therapy. So it's a neurobiological Blah, blah, blah. neurobiological approach to treating trauma. So that's what I use for trauma. But then I also use like somatic experiencing, for example, for trauma, or I use emotionally focused therapies. So I have a bunch of different ones. And it yeah. really just depends on who comes in with what what they're presenting with and, and as well kind of their approach. If someone's more like a cognitive thinker who wants to think through their problems, CBT might be really good. But if someone's more of like a feeling type who they don't want to like logically be like think through or that doesn't feel like it works for them, then something like EFT, which is more emotionally focused, that might be an avenue that's like a little bit more appropriate for them. I feel like you just described me and my brother in like the two different styles. So which are. one are you? Are you kind of the CBT thinking style or the EFT feeling style? I'm definitely like more thinking okay, and like okay, yep. logical and he is definitely way more emotional. 
like in, right. in the way that we do things and yeah. think, think, think of things. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But it's good to know that you can help us both. <laughs> um, and I, I was laughing earlier and I just had a thought pop into my head. Um, I had a, maybe a few years ago when I was younger, I had a, a point where I was looking at different kinds of treatment styles and things like that. And the whole thing that I just said where I'm a logical thinker mm-hmm. kind of went out the window. Mm-hmm. And um, my best approach was to go spend uh, three weeks with a shaman. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what, see, so I think they do have their role, just like you're saying, right? Like those yeah. maybe less evidence-based ones can still be just as helpful and just as useful, right? Yeah, yeah. like there's, there's like, I don't know if there's any real theory behind it or any scientific evidence behind it, but like it helped me a lot and kind of changed the trajectory of my life. Well, I think... But- when we think from a really Western lens, we're like, no, it's not evidence-based. But when you start to look at, you know, most cultures have those type of shamanic healings and they are, they've stuck around for a reason because yeah. they work, right? And I think actually research is starting to catch up to those type of healings, understanding why they work. But before we were like, we don't understand why, so we're going to disregard it. But now research, like Peter Levine does a lot of trauma, trauma work and he's found a lot of shamanic healings use some of those trauma pieces already. But we've kind of been like, no, let's not use that. But when you look into it now, research is catching up and saying, actually, it works for a reason and here's why. So we kind of have this honestly racist lens sometimes where we're like, don't use those because they're not from our culture. They're not this like Western thinking, but actually they're super beneficial. We just didn't have the research to understand why or how they were so beneficial up until now. And now people are starting to be like, ooh, sorry, we were just like disregarding these beautiful forms of healing because we were being racist. Which is like crazy to me because I grew up obviously in a different culture, right? Um, My parents were immigrants from India and there's always stuff like even still with like medicine and things mm-hmm. that I don't even know how to explain to my doctor. Like we have, we have things where they're just like, Oh, my, my parents will be like, this is the problem that you have. And it's just like, okay, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know how to explain it to you, but it's just like, I think it has something to do with like uric acid or something. <laughs> and like, sure, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, I still don't know, but they have remedies and things for them that they're just totally. like homemade remedies. And they're just like, just go do this and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's, like we don't really talk about it. I don't talk about like some of the weird stuff that we do because I'm just like white people won't get it. <laughs> Fair because we're right? super racist, right? And yeah. we often disregard these things that we don't get. Yeah. But then over time, like I mean, you see it all the time now. We're like catching up to those and starting to be like, oh, they actually have a benefit, and here's why. Yeah. But it's like we have to prove it before it's valid, right? Yeah. When it's been valid this whole time, we just maybe didn't understand why, and therefore we disregarded it, right? Yeah. Like I've seen people do now. Well, you you'll probably know more so than I have, but like I'm I'm not sure exactly how it works, but using like um, magic mushrooms in yeah psilocybin in psilocybin for yeah. for therapy uses, and yeah. I've even heard of them, which probably wouldn't be shamanic, but like um, what's the other thing uh, MDMA mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for emotional therapy? Right? Yeah, yeah, so, they do it for trauma healing, and yeah. the idea is that. Sometimes there's certain emotions, like when you're traumatized, you're so distressed by the symptoms and by what happened that you can't access it. And so using some drugs basically makes it that you can access those emotions safely. And then when you access those feelings, access those memories, you can start healing them. But so long as we're shutting out and we're not willing to feel or address what happened, we can't heal from it. So you use these different, um, you know, psilocybin to kind of manage your emotions and level you out a little bit so that you can access those memories in a new way that's not as distressing. And then you start 
to heal the trauma. So it's pretty it's pretty cool. I'm not uh, very well versed in it at all. So you're not giving your clients mushrooms? Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Sorry. I can't, can't write a prescription for that. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Well, I'm yeah. glad that we cleared that up. But it's it's super cool to see how things are coming along in terms of therapy and mental health and even just like the stigma around it. I know like oh, 10 years ago, if you're like, hey, I'm going to go see somebody because I need help. People would have been like, wow, that's weird. Mm -hmm. Like well, you're, mm -hmm. you're a weirdo. What's wrong with you? And now it's just like everybody has somebody that they kind of deal with in one some way or another. And Absolutely. it's kind of come to the forefront, Absolutely. which is nice. And I think that's really good because everybody, I think, needs some sort of help. I really love it. And I, um, on Instagram, like I have an Instagram and a lot of younger people are starting to follow me, which to me says that there's like this, like more acceptance of it, especially in younger generations where it's just like talked about more and it's more just normalized, I think for younger generations, which makes me really like hopeful moving forward that there's not going to be the same stigma and that it's going to change. Right. Where it starts yeah. to be like, people will like send me they're so like younger generations they'll send me their friends because they'll be like willing to admit that they go to counseling older yeah. generations it's like this secret that they go to counseling yeah. and they're like i can't tell anybody but these younger generations are like i was telling my friend about what you said and blah 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 yeah. right because they're so excited and so willing to accept this help and not see it as like this negative or shameful thing that they need support which is pretty cool to see that that transition happen it's awesome to see the younger generation has definitely been supported more to like be open with their emotions absolutely and like i think like we were like my generation was kind of on the cusp of it where mm -hmm, it was starting mm -hmm. to change and then like kids kind of born in the late 90s and 2000s are probably going to see the biggest benefits from it absolutely yeah absolutely agree with you on that yeah. one but they're not really hard workers <laughs> no 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 let's not be judgy I speak up for all my clients in that age group who work just as hard, but who also know about balance. No, right? that's that's. The I thing. think that's a it, big thing. They actually prioritize mental health, so they're yeah. not going to just like push themselves to the point of burnout all the time. They're yeah, like, hey, how can we like achieve our goals and take care of ourselves? Because they both can be done at once, right? Yeah, they they understand the big picture, but like, yeah, we. I grew up in working in mills, uh, right, lumber okay. mills, and things like that, and you could see the change in the the workforce. From like 2000 to 2010. Oh, interesting. Right. Okay. Like you could see like and the management styles. Right. Because at one point you could have managers come in and yell at the crew and get them fired up and then they would want to work harder. And as that time went on from like the early 2000s to the late 2000s, just in the people that were working in those kinds of jobs, that didn't work. You had to like because I, I was a manager oh, okay. well, kind of got into that position sure, sure. and I saw from like the people that were managing me and their management styles to what my management styles had to be in the late 2000s yeah like I had to sit down with people understand what their motivation was and spend a lot more time like one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm, with them mm -hmm. and figure out like hey yelling at this guy's not gonna work like what can I do to make him work harder like what incentives can I give him otherwise right and yeah, so yeah. When you have a lot of people that are in positions of power that are older, they're not going to pick up on that. And so, like, essentially what they say is these kids don't work hard. And it's like, no, you just don't know how to motivate them. <laughs> and I think you just don't. Yeah, exactly. You don't know what to motivate them. You don't yeah. know that maybe their goal isn't just to work a labor all day, job, a shit every job. day, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. So, like, what are you going to motivate them with? Because that's not going to do it anymore. Yeah. They're not willing to just, like, give their life to this and be burnt out every day at the end of the day. Yeah. They actually want to go use their life after work and, like, enjoy life, right? Yeah. It's it's good to see that happening though, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. I think too many people were too many people were ending up living that lifestyle 
needing therapy, not talking about it, and then not getting therapy, and then like, and then I see their client or their kids. Sorry. Yeah, you see their kids. Yeah, yeah. and then like, yeah. then they'll have kids, and their kids are just growing up with all these issues because their parents have all this like weird resentment bottled up. Totally, and like they don't know how to express their emotions, and so they yeah. pass on to their children this like shame of expressing emotions. And yeah. then these kids are coming to me being like, ah, what's going on? Right? How do I express this? Yeah. Yeah. And I know, like, I know in Indian culture too, like it's it's not as bad as like mexican culture like they have a real machismo style mm. so like they don't want to talk about like their emotions and things i don't know sorry Luis, if i'm dissing you here <laughs> but like it, the man's got to be the man right <laughs> and that kind of thing and talking about your emotions can be considered like a feminine thing mm. right so mm -hmm. like it's it's kind of like shunned but as time goes on and we have more and more people in this like coming to Canada and being here and like I'm first generation Canadian but the second third fourth and so on it becomes more and more normalized right absolutely and, I think and you know I would I would jump in there too and talk about like the influences of like feminism on that right yeah. because part of like why if, if you're saying it's a feminine trait it's because that's bad to express emotions it's bad to be womanly yeah. and as we start to accept and not have these you know toxic masculinity where it's like bad to have emotions then everybody can have that, right? And we can kind of spread this knowledge that like, hey, emotions are okay and they're not like a feminine thing. Everyone yeah. has them. Everyone gets to express their emotions. Men, I think, certainly have more work at that because women are taught and socialized that it's okay to do that, whereas men often aren't taught that. But I think in time, as we change that, we're going to see, like you're saying, each generation that becomes easier and easier to do. I'm definitely a living example of that. I'm wearing pink sweatpants and I actually wore Uggs. So Love like, it. <laughs> Like, yeah, like, I'm just like, no, oh, whatever. It doesn't bother me. It's comfortable, right? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's uh, 10 years ago or when I was younger, I'd be like, I would never wear anything like that. But, like, the psychology of it has changed where it's like, it, I feel like there there is feminine and masculine, but it doesn't really matter. Right. There's feminine and masculine, but neither one is good or bad. And both yeah, women exactly. and men and non-binary folks have both of these sides, yeah, right? Exactly. And so it's not like women can only have these feminine traits. It's like, no, women have feminine and masculine traits. There's nothing wrong with either of them. We yeah. can't like And men say have feminine traits and that's normal. Absolutely. Yeah. And one is not like better than the other, right? No. They just have different purposes. And how yeah. do we lean into both of those and know when we want to access either of those sides of us? Because we all have all parts of that, right? Yeah. It's, it's crazy to see how much we're progressing and how quickly now mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah because things are like like even you said with non or like the genders and everything mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um that's huge the, the progress that the lgbtq mm -hmm. plus community yeah. i guess yeah. yeah everybody has made there is is insane and again over in 10 years the amount of progress that they have made is awesome to see and i think it's just big to have more and more people feel included in our society and not feel like they're pushed out just for being whoever they want to be. Absolutely. For whoever they are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Absolutely. But I don't know. We're going, we're going, we're, going to, we're going all over the place. I have a very strong, um, I like to call myself a raging feminist. Cause I think just a feminist isn't like strong enough to express how, how much I believe in those and, and intersectionalism too. Right. Which is like this overlap of different, um, how different, Sorry, my mind's blanking right now. How different oppressions can overlap to create new levels of suffering. Yeah. So, you know, if you're a black and a woman and trans, you're going to have more oppression than if you're simply a black woman, right? Like every different layer adds to it. And so yeah. that's something like that's really big in my counseling practice, because I think if someone comes into my office and I'm just like just looking at them as the individual and not like the social structure that they're a part of, yeah. then I think we miss out on a lot of what's going on. And we start to create this shame like, oh, I'm bad for this when maybe, hey, actually racism is making you feel ashamed for those things. Yeah. Maybe it's not about 
about you, right? So I think it's a really important lens to like bring into my practice because it just like broadens a view of a person and helps you understand, okay, you know, if there's like a trans kid who comes into my office, there's probably going to be experiencing very different things than a cis kid who comes into my office, right? Totally different things that need to be addressed. And the more that we can understand that as counselors and as a society, the more that we can help folks through their mental health and and support their mental health, right? Yeah, definitely. There's, yeah, it's it's definitely not an easy thing to talk about. Well, is it getting easier and easier for people to talk about like the, the problems that they have or do you find like... Um, yeah, I would say that I, I would say younger generations find it easier than than maybe some of my older clients. Yeah. Um, you know, I have older clients who like will talk about sexuality. Like it's like this really big, like I'll be meeting with them for like weeks and weeks before they'll admit that there's like the sexuality component to what's going on for them. Whereas like a kid will walk into my office. And when I say kids, so I don't work with like children, but I work with kind of older youth. Yeah. So that's what I mean when I say kind of a kid. Um, they'll walk into my office and that's like one of the first things that's just like a part of them and they can just like share that right right away yeah so there doesn't seem to be that shame component that seems to be like maybe a part of what some some um some of the older generations might still be experiencing i've noticed like i've had clients and friends who are like grandparents Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. their grandkids are trans sure yeah and they're it's actually kind of funny because the way that they talk about it they don't really understand it Mm -hmm. but the way that they talk about it is hilarious and i'm like i don't know how to I'm not going to try and do any impressions because <laughs> okay. it, it's just going to be terrible. Right. But um, like they support and love their kids so much. But like th- that wasn't there before. And I think just having people talk about the issues and having so much of a spotlight on mm-hmm. the issue mm-hmm. is really helping it become normalized and making, Absolutely. Feel, feel, making people feel comfortable. Yeah. But, I love watching some of my older clients trying to support like they maybe don't know how, so they'll like say like the dead name or or the name that the trans child used to go by, yeah. and then they like catch themselves and like try and correct themselves. And you know you can see the support and the love is there. It's just maybe taking them some time to adjust to that and to learn kind yeah. of these new ways, which is totally fair, right? That's a hard transition for some folks to make, but I love that they're trying, even though it is difficult, yeah. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I want to talk a little bit about some of the other stuff that you do because stress management. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I know in real estate deals, doing transactions or like when you're moving and you're buying a house, it's definitely going to be around a time that's a pivotal moment in your life. Like mm-hmm. people might be getting married, having kids, or it might not be such a harmonious time and maybe splitting up a death in the uh- family or what have you. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. how are ways that or what are ways that people can maintain and manage stress? in these highly emotional times? So the first thing that I would say, like if anyone walked into my office with any one of those things, whether it's harmonious and like this exciting time or whether it's one of those more difficult times where it's like you're splitting up or you have to downsize or whatever it might be, just make space for the emotion. Like allow whatever emotions to come up let them come up and don't judge yourself and say that they're bad. So maybe, you know, you're getting married and you're really excited to move into this new home, but there's also some grief of the home that you're leaving or maybe the the living alone that you had before, for example. There might be like grief associated with that. And so not judging yourself for having that emotion and not trying to push through that emotion and be like, oh, I shouldn't have this. And like, I'm supposed to be happy. So let me be happy right now. Yeah. And on the flip side, you know, if it's kind of more those difficult emotions, not trying to be like, well, this is a fresh start and that toxic positivity of like, everything's great and I just have to focus on the positive. Like, no, make space for that negative emotion and be okay with being sad. Be okay with being upset. So you want to feel everything. And yeah. you know what? I want to 
make a point on that is that we live in such a bullshit culture with social media and how everybody is kind of portraying such positivity all the Absolutely. time. I feel like people are afraid to not be happy. <laughs> it's totally. like <laughs> you got to realize like you're not happy all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. um, we've had mm -hmm. podcasts where we recorded where it was just a 45 minute bitch session. <laughs> <laughs> and, Fair, yeah. You know what? But that's like the other yeah, it's the other shoe. Like it's the other the way things go. It's not always happy and joyous. And I think people need to be more conscious of that because I've, it's weird the way that we're going with social media. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And this toxic positivity, like this belief that we can be happy and everything can be good all the time. What happens when we numb our negative emotions is we actually numb our positive emotions too. So if you don't let yourself feel the difficult stuff, you're actually not going to feel the happy stuff as much either. Yeah. So if you can let yourself feel it, like when it's difficult, let yourself feel it. Be open, be honest that it's difficult and you're actually going to feel happy and feel those positive emotions a little bit more as well. So don't do it. You know, don't just numb your emotions and be like, I'm happy all the time because you're actually not. Yeah. If you're not also sad and upset sometimes. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Without the bitter, the sweet ain't so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yes, yeah. exactly. Right? Like yeah. you, you got to have the, the opposite. Otherwise, yeah, it's not, it, you just won't be able to enjoy things to the max without, totally. without being able to listen to your emotions or feel your emotions. And yeah, that definitely makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. What are some other ways? that people can kind of keep on top of the stress levels when like downsizing is a big tough one too, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Like I know for some of my clients, it's been really tough to pack up an entire house full of memories and well, throw half of it away because mm -hmm. I feel like that's their memories that they're mm -hmm. throwing away. Mm -hmm. So hearing you say that, you know, this wasn't even one of the tips that I had written down, but even the way that you're framing it is really talking about the attachment that people might be putting on those items yeah. and this belief that if I get rid of this item, then I'm getting rid of the memory. Yeah. And so is there a way that you can hang on to that memory without, or let me, let me phrase it differently. Is there a way that you can detach from those things and recognize that getting rid of this item doesn't mean that I'm getting rid of that memory, Yeah. right? How can we hold on to the memory? So whether that would be like, do you want to write it down? Do you want to take a picture of this item? Like what would help you hang on to that memory and revisit that memory without needing that physical object, right? Yeah. Because I think sometimes we put our emotions into these objects and they hold them for us, but that doesn't have to be the case, right? Yeah. And so recognizing that maybe some of the beliefs that we have around what it means to get rid of this thing isn't the reality. So like if I get rid of this thing, it doesn't actually mean that I don't love the person who gave it to me. I can love them and get rid of this object. Yeah. But making, again, that separation between those two things, right, yeah. is really important there. I'm like, I'm one of the people where I don't really care about things well you did tell me you're more of a thinker than the feeler right yeah. so you would probably be able to make that separation more easily exactly so me i'm just like i don't really need anything mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then like my brother is like the exact opposite sure. he has he's got like movie stubs and like concert tickets from like the beginning of time sure. and things like that and sure. it's just he's got everything so it's funny to see the the differences right and he's the same way like he he moved to back to kamloops from toronto and so like he pretty much had to pack up his life and come here yeah. and it was being an emotional guy. It was very emotional for him mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. like trying to support him and me being the one to support him. I was just like, I don't get it. <laughs> you like, just get rid of the stuff. It's just stuff because yeah. you can make that separation. But yeah. for him, they're kind of they're joined. Hey? Yeah, it's yeah. it's super funny to see um, the, the way that we interact. It's so it's so wacky. It's a, a fun time. But um, that's a good tip for 
for people to kind of dissociate the emotion from the item. I'm just going to catch on your word there. Dissociate is not something healthy. No? Is that a bad word? Well, it's not a bad word. It's just a a response that happens in trauma where we are so traumatized that we can't be in our body and we dissociate or we separate from our body. And so people, that's just one of my pet peeves when people say dissociate because I'm like, yeah, that's just not what that means. I hit it. You hit my pet peeve. It's all good. But dissociation is just like a trauma response where we're kind of like separating from our body so that we don't have to endure the trauma. So like our brain kind of splits from our body and people will explain it as kind of like floating next to themselves or like not being a part of them anymore. Um, also when they're like looking back at the memories, like they're seeing. No, no, no. Oh. In the moment. Oh, okay, okay, so okay. like if, if I was being like attacked by a cougar right now, I might dissociate and like step out of my body and be able to like watch myself have that process happen um, because then I'm not like in my body feeling that it's a, it's a defense mechanism or a protection mechanism from the brain. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then so people who have PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, they'll still they'll dissociate whenever they think of it or whenever there's a trigger into that traumatic memory, they'll separate from their body again. Oh, yeah. Sorry to go off on that segue. That's just like, so, like so I what would be the proper term instead of dissociate? Separate. Separate. Okay. <laughs> I guess, like, <laughs> okay. Disconnect maybe disconnect. is the word you were going for or yeah. something like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not dissociate. Okay, we're not going to use that word anymore. We can literally say anything else on this podcast except dissociate. No, you can say it. Just say it in trauma and as a trauma response because it's a useful word to have. But just I'll get the guys to just have like the button where they bleep it out. (laughs) No, I don't want to make it seem like it's a bad word. I just want people to use it properly because then if you're saying, you know, like, oh, I'm dissociating or like Mm -hmm. I dissociated from that, you have just like a total. A total lack like, of understanding yeah. of what's going on and then we're misusing the word which just like spreads confusion right it's a total and negative disconnect yeah as opposed to like a positive separation yeah and, and i don't want to make it seem like it's negative it's a protective thing that the body is doing to help you through a traumatic time okay. but when you're no longer in that traumatic time you don't want to be dissociating it's not like a it's it's healthy to help you endure the trauma but it's not something that you would want to be experiencing on a daily basis okay it's not like pleasant let's put it that way okay that's a lot for me to learn. Yeah, sorry. I'm just like <laughs> dumping that. You just said one word and I'm like, let me go off. And I'm like, I like to learn and I like to know how to do things properly. So I'm just like, okay, how can I put this in my mind where it's it's making sense? Right, yeah. right. So it's, yeah. I'm not going to get into it because I probably got it wrong. <laughs> and then you're going <laughs> to, we'll spend the rest of the podcast. Just like correcting just, and going no, over no, that. No, no, yeah, no, that's yeah. not the right analogy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll come back to it if we have time. Sure, sure. <laughs> Um, so what what else do you have on your list that you think would be a good way so what I would actually suggest for people so a lot of people when we're like going through a difficult transition is we try and like I said right like only think about the positives and like that toxic positivity but I would actually like suggest people flip it and kind of ask like what's the worst that could happen here because often when we're going through like a really difficult thing we almost ignore that which makes it harder but if you're like downsizing and you're like oh the worst that could happen is that like um, let's say like a, a, an older couple downsizing from their big home into a smaller home. And they're like, the worst that could happen is my kids can't come and visit me and I'm never going to see my kids anymore. Yeah. Well, if you actually address what you're stressed out about, well, now we can make a plan for it. Like, oh, actually, when my kids come visit, I could get them to sleep here and I could set it up like this. Or, you know, I could they could rent a hotel room or whatever it might be. Yeah. But when we actually take the time to think about what we're stressed about and like what the worst case scenario is for us, we can plan for it and we can account for it rather than just being like, oh, this is awful and horrible. I don't want to think about it. Yeah. I found that that's even for like real estate and being a realtor. Yeah. Like <laughs> trying to avoid the actual thought of the thing just makes the problem way worse. 100%. And just trying to be like, because it's not for me, if it's like a client that I'm dealing with and they have an issue, 
Like we have to address it. Totally. And so I've actually learned from my job, <laughs> like being like, wow, this actually feels he healthier to like think about it, brainstorm solutions, figure out the best way to go <laughs> rather than uh, what I would normally would do and just not try and think about. Totally right. Because we just want to avoid. We're like, this is an unpleasant thought. It makes yeah. me unhappy thinking about it. No, no, this I isn't it. Won't. Yeah, this, the, uh, we're not going to think about that because I want to be happy like everybody else on Instagram. <laughs> so let me, let me just make a post with my ice cream. Hundred percent. I'm so stoked. Everything's yeah. great, and Everything let's just avoid so this awesome. thought. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Oh man, <laughs> this is awesome. I feel like I'm getting a free session here. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. I'm I'm learning I something. Just, I'm just bugging you. Yeah. There's just more we could dig into. Oh, I don't gotcha. know. I don't know if we want the mics on for that. <laughs> yeah. And I want to get paid for that one. So <laughs> yeah. 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 I definitely. Uh, I hear you there. Um. What else do you think? What we else can... do we got? Okay, marking transitions in a way that feels meaningful. So in our culture, maybe not so much for moving houses, but sometimes we don't mark important transitions in our time. We kind of just like move from one thing into the next. I mean, there's some exceptions to this, right? Like getting married, there's usually like a marking of transition. And people think because they're moving, that marks the transition in and of itself. But is there a way we can mark the transition and make it a part of our next stage of life. So for example, if you're downsizing, yeah. how do you want to mark that this has happened rather than just like, hey, I'm in this new home now. Do we want to celebrate all the memories that happened in that house by having, you know, the important people back into the home one last time might be an example, but like really finding ways to mark that transition rather than just like pushing through the transition and onto the next thing and being like, okay, I'm at this part next. Like, let's be here rather than like, hey, let's take the time to, to end this one before we move into that one. Every, every... <laughs> Oh man, sorry. Every time that you come up with a point, I just look, I think back to me and my brother. No, totally, because you guys are such opposites, such different approaches. Uh, because we literally just had this had this discussion the other day, and he was like, "The problem in our culture again is this that we don't take enough time to sit down and like celebrate, absolutely, and enjoy." And I'm just like, "Why do you need to sit down and celebrate?" <laughs> like, why don't, why don't you enjoy it when you do it? Because he just finished his degree and he got right. his master's in education. Good and man. he was saying like, well, you know, like uh, it, we don't really do that. And I was like, well, like, didn't you enjoy doing it? Because like when I went to university, I really enjoyed being in university mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I enjoyed that time and I knew it was going to come to an end. And so when it came to an end, I wasn't like, oh, now what? I was just like, OK, cool, whatever. Right. But like, again, it just it. Right. But for him, he needed that kind of transition, that yeah. ability to say, like, that stage is over. Now I'm into this next stage and to mark it. Right. Yeah. And and I would kind of agree with your brother that we don't necessarily do that enough. Yeah. I I'm bad for it as well. Like when I finished my B.A. before I started my master's, I had like two months between. Yeah. And I just was like, whatever. No, why would I celebrate? Like, this is the oh. minimum and I have to go to a master's. So like this doesn't count. And like my thought process was like, just move through it. And I'm like, well, why didn't I celebrate? Like I had a degree, like I finished one that's big. And I was just like, move on. Like, let's keep going. Right. I, sh I shot him down pretty hard. And I was like, why don't you celebrate when you get yourself a job? <laughs> so I feel like you owe your brother an apology. And if you would like a lesson on apologies, we'll do that after. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. your so... brother, he's so proud of himself. And you're like, get a job. Yeah. I was like, what do you, you got a piece of paper a lot. Like everybody that you did your course with got that piece of paper. And I was like, and you told me half of them are dumbasses. And I was like, <laughs> oh my god oh man so my might need to work on i might need to come see you just so i can figure out how to talk to my brother in a better way <laughs>
I'm starting to see some things here. I am starting to hear some things. <laughs> They're hilarious. They're absolutely hilarious. I could probably do like a stand-up bit on the conversations that we've had. Right. But um yeah. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> you guys just have very different approaches. And not to yeah. say like you don't have to mark a transition if that's not what's right for you, but clearly for people like your brother, that is what's right for him. That's what he needs to be able to kind of close that chapter and enter the new one, right? Yeah, see, but like hearing it from you it's it's such a different it's more meaningful than hearing it from him because i'm just like oh well like he just wants that because that's what he wants but then like having like someone to, like i don't know what it is in in my mind it makes a lot more sense when you it's say funny it. you say that because so many people tell me that they'll be like oh i heard x from my husband my wife my friend and like it didn't mean much but when you say it's cecile now it's significant and i'm like why do we do that why is it that when someone has a degree or has education suddenly what they say is meaningful because your brother said the exact same thing to you. Like, hey, this is important. This yeah. is what I need. And you're like, mm -hmm. but if Cecile says it, that's allowed. Right? I don't think that it's, I don't think it's like, it has anything to do with the education aspect. Okay, so what do you think it is? I think it is because I'm disagreeing with him already. Ah. That I'm just like, okay, he's just going to try and build his case. And like, there's no validation or credit behind it. But mm. if it's like, if anybody else says it, it's like, okay, well, Maybe there is. They're they're removed then. from the the whole situation right. of me of us and our history mm -hmm, where we've mm -hmm. always not <laughs> obviously never ever agreed on anything. Sure, sure. So I'm like, okay, well, if they're saying it, then there's probably some sort of reason behind it. Right. Yeah. Right. So, huh. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> for you and your brother, person. <laughs> no. Now. All right. For home buyers or people transitioning with major life events. Okay. Right. So one of them is kind of identifying the pieces that are in your control because so often okay let's think of someone who's separating right and maybe who didn't want the separation in the first place and so now they have to sell this home that they didn't want to sell and move into probably a smaller version or, or sorry a smaller home than yeah. what they'd want it they're like all these pieces noticing what's out of their control and feeling really stressed of like oh my gosh i didn't get to control the home that i'm moving into because this is what i have to move into on my new budget and i don't get to control when i see the kids because the judge decided you know i get to see them a week on a week off or whatever it might be yeah there's all these pieces that are out of their control what can they look at that is within their control and how can they bring their energy onto those rather than noticing all the pieces that aren't yeah. so yeah okay they're in a home that they don't totally like but how can they maybe make it what they'd like can they decorate it in a certain way is it in their budget to maybe buy some pieces that they would really enjoy in that home that maybe they've always wanted and they've never done yeah. you know in the case of a separation okay maybe you had to make some compromises on the style that was in your home now can you make this new home totally your own style and really focus on that rather than on the fact that maybe you're not in the home that you want to be in in the first place yeah so what's in your control and can you focus and divert your attention to that rather than to all the pieces that might not be in your control yeah like if your spouse chose the realtor please be nice to them <laughs> <laughs> Sure, that's yeah. not in your control, yeah. and it's not about that other person, so don't yeah. put it on them. Yeah, exactly. Do you deal with that a lot, where spouses, like, maybe the other person isn't too stoked to see you? I've had that happen before, right? and it wasn't that bad, but okay. I've, I've heard of, like, horror stories oh, with other yeah. people. Yeah. Or And it's not even sometimes spouses. Like, um, I've had, like, where people are letting a family member stay in a house, and then they decide to sell their house, right. and the family member is saying, like, well, this is bullshit. This is my home, and it's like, well, it's kind of like not, but right. Yeah, what do you do, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, huh? What other tips? Are there any others? I've got one more. Okay. So, just noticing the pre previous transitions that you successfully navigated, and asking yourself what helped. Like, what did you do in those previous transitions yeah. that made it smoother for you, and how could you reintegrate some of those pieces into this new transition? So, you know, presumably you've moved before. 
yeah. what back then helped you move and make it as smooth as possible? Is there any pieces of that that you can kind of bring into this this new move, even if some pieces are different? Yeah. Just kind of feeling like you have ideas and knowing that there's things that have worked can just smooth it out of you being like, okay, I did this before and it helped. That can just kind of drop down that stress level a little bit rather than being like, it's all new and it's all difficult. Yeah. Well, it's probably not. You've probably done some pieces or some elements of it before. Can you lean on that experience to kind of help you through this piece? Yeah. Awesome. That's quite a bit. That's probably like everything. Well, no, it's not everything. There's there's probably other like specific issues that people can do. Are there any things that you would suggest for kids that are going through a move? Because I know like I think it could be more crazy for kids. Like yeah. my first move when we moved, um, I was 10 and we moved from Merritt to Kamloops. Okay. And it was like completely out of the blue. Totally. And I was just like, what the, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah. So like. Are there any tips for so kids? I am not a child counselor, just to no. be really clear. Oh, okay. Like I don't work with children, but I can kind of say from the parents' end, what they yeah. can do is try and create stability and routine as much as possible for the kids. So is there pieces that were going on, you know, routines or things that were happening in the previous home that you could bring into the new home yeah. and try and get that routine down as quickly as possible because kids really need routine. They really need stability. So how can the parents create that? Oh God, what's the laughter about? <laughs> Sorry, my brain is just like, they're just like dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure. <laughs> yeah, because you got to have stability and routine for the dogs too, right? Yeah. Like anytime that if you're doing a transition. If so if you either have kids or dogs, it's the same thing. <laughs> like I say, not a child counselor, but I'm going to say no. Uh, <laughs> I'm just begging you. I feel like it. My dog's my kid. So like. Fair. I feel Fair. like they're interchangeable. But wow. But yeah, try and create stability, try and create routine so that the kids can feel secure in what's happening and kind of have some some safety, right? The stability, yeah. the routine is going to create the safety. So can you create the, that for your child right at the get-go or awesome. as, as quickly as possible? Yeah, or your dog. Or your dog, sure. <laughs> or your dog. Awesome. Wow, we covered a lot of good, good stuff. Um, I forgot to mention I love what you're doing on Instagram. Oh, thank I you. I think you're doing a really good job and I think your channel is going to grow. Um. Well, obviously already is growing, but that's good. Keep that up. And we'll probably definitely, no, we definitely will have you back once I uh, go through a little bit more life experience with my brother and then we have another topic to talk about. What if you bring your brother into the next one and we'll do like a, a counseling session so that people can understand what like familial or family counseling looks like? Oh Your face is your not open to that idea at all, hey? Oh, you like, man. that sounds like hell. Can I bring, what if I, what if it's me and my dog? <laughs> sure, sure. Let's, uh, sure. I'm sure we, there's things we could work on. No, no. Um, That would be, well, man, that would be an entire, he's like, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about that. That's going to be. I'm totally bugging. I don't know how many people would be open to a counseling session that's like on, like on. I would probably be open to like a one-on-one -on -one counseling session. Yeah. I don't think that I'd be open to having my brother on because like. That's totally fair. We are so different and then we'll be talking over each other it's not yeah, gonna yeah. make it won't make for a good podcast and especially like yeah i'll i will look like the biggest dick because <laughs> like, i yeah i crack a lot of jokes and then he's gonna be talking about something serious and i'd be like yeah like a dog <laughs> so so but, your brother would feel invalidated emotionally is that what i'm hearing you say um yeah i like to dissociate myself from that word <laughs> Are we dissociating ourselves from that word? Or are we doing something else? Uh, we're, do, we're doing all sorts. Of yeah, stuff. I don't think we're dissociating.
shading. Let's go back in the podcast. Like, oh, yeah. man. Oh, we got a lot of good material to go over next time. <laughs> awesome. Cecile Tucker, thank you so much yeah, for joining thank us. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in today. If you like what you heard, show me some love on social media. If you know of anyone that we should feature here on the podcast, hit me up. Or if you know anybody that's looking to buy or sell real estate, drop my name.